Hello and welcome to another episode of the Three Bid League podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, here with a nice mini episode. We are immediately following Duquesne's big win over Richmond, and I am joined by two of the best to cover the Duquesne Dukes. We got Johnny Heller from the Bluff blog and Adam Lindner from Adam on Blanking. What do you write for again? Uh, the Duquesne Duke, it's the uh, student newspaper there at Duquesne. I knew it was a student newspaper, couldn't remember what it was called, but thank you guys for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, really glad to be on. Big fan a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. So a, a huge monu- on monumental win for the Dukes. I would have to say certainly the biggest of the Keith Dambrot era right now. First non-pillow fight win for the Dukes since 2009. But, you know, it, it was really kind of a group effort. A lot of guys played well. And so I want to ask you guys, what were you most impressed with in this game? I was impressed with the defense because they – Duquesne, when they play Richmond, they get killed by that the back cut. Um, I, you know, I call it death by a thousand paper cuts with Richmond because they just do that. You know, it's a Princeton offense. Um, so I think Duquesne really did their homework on this one. It helps that they played them two week, less than two weeks ago too. So I think they were ready for it. Um, the most impressive thing with that is they got the freshmen who played really good defense, like Acuff, Okani, Baker. They were really they were really guarding against that back cut, um, playing the shooters, playing the post. I mean, they couldn't have got better defense. That was the best defensive performance I've seen Duquesne play outside of a Fordham game. So, yeah, I agree. I think uh, one thing that surprised me a little bit, and they had mentioned that on the on the broadcast was that Duquesne only ended up out rebounding Richmond by two, despite uh, Golden's uh, obviously broken finger. Um, but for me, most impressed, I got to go with just the contributions from the freshmen. Obviously, Chad Baker finished with uh, a team high 16. Um, but Tyson Acuff and Toby Akani both don't have crazy stat lines. Acuff with nine points, two rebounds, and Okani with four points, three rebounds. But I felt like they, uh, they contributed in um, very timely ways for Duquesne. Um, Amari Kelly, too. I throw his name in there. He had a few uh, big baskets after being in Dan Brott's doghouse there. Um, a few uh, leading, up, leading up, you know, in the, in the past few weeks, he's really now started to reenter the rotation. Yeah, and you guys both hit on what I felt was the best in this game, and that was three specific defenders. Michael Hughes, who had a rough offensive game, but to people who didn't watch, I don't think they won't realize how great he, how great of a job he did shutting down Grant Golden. And yeah, the finger was certainly an issue. You could see it all game that he was just not quite himself, but Hughes was not letting him go past. He was not letting him overpower him. And really once Golden lost that physical edge, the skill, the skill piece of it just wasn't there, but for me, an, an even better job was done by Tavian Dunmartin and Tyson Acuff on Jacob Gilliard. He hits two huge shots really quickly in the game. And I personally early on just felt like this was going to be his game. It was going to be his to take over. And he was going to fill the Blake Francis scoring role. Both of those guys really stepped up late in the first half and throughout the second half to keep him off the board. Yeah, they played good defense, especially Tavian. He's so quick. Um, more so Acuff because he, you know, he's so young going against a senior. That um, was really impressive what they did on him. I think obviously losing Francis was huge. I think if they had Francis, it might have been a different outcome. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I can't. Their, their perimeter defense was great. Um, Richmond usually kills us with the three. Um, so, I mean, you can't say, say enough about either of those two guys and the job they did. And then Mike Hughes never gets the due he deserves on the defensive end for obvious reasons um, <laughs> because he's so outspoken. Um, but he just doesn't let let guys bully him, and that's the big thing. He, he's just not intimidated by any other guys, like, on any team. So, Yeah, I think that um... – that Acuff turnover that he forced on Gilliard when uh, near the – it was back when they were inbounding the ball way back uh, on Duquesne's own end of the court there at the end of the game was a huge turning point in what was – ended up being a huge run for Duquesne. I know I'm looking now that they ended up finishing the game shooting seven for its last seven from the field. Um, so I guess my biggest thing other than – and that's, the, that's what's tough when you talk about Duquesne is like every game the biggest thing is always something to do with Marcus Weathers or Mike Hughes. But outside of, you know, just saying that every time, I think um, the biggest uh, takeaway from this game has got to be just the way they played down the stretch, especially against um, an experienced Richmond team, although they were down, you know, two and a half guys. Um, so. Yeah, and, and that A-cuff strip came immediately after he got to the rim, got fouled, and went two of two at the line. Foul shooting was a huge, huge issue for the Dukes all game. I feel like those back-to-back plays are what really locked him into the crunch time lineup. And Adam, you mentioned how well they played down the stretch. I think the biggest, the biggest reason why it happened is those five guys, the three seniors plus Baker and Acuff, just had absolutely no fear. Those guys were ready. They wanted that big moment. I mean, Chad Baker, as a freshman, you don't expect him to step up in closing time of a tournament game but he has the steal and the emphatic dunk where I, I thought he got teed hanging on the rim after, but thankfully he did not. And then he hits that little turnaround banker that I believe was the go ahead shot with about a minute and a half to go. And I was so impressed with the fact that those two wanted to be out there. They wanted to be in the moment. Biggest yeah. thing is Acuff. Well, I mean, he wasn't playing much early in the season. And then when they started playing him, he just didn't, he was so timid with the ball. He wouldn't shoot. He wouldn't drive. Um, he's done a complete 180 in the last month. Uh, I'm sure Adam agrees with that. Yeah, I think the uh, the thing you, you can tell, especially now, it's got to be not easy to bring the ball up the court against Jacob Gilliard um, for anyone. But I think you can still tell, you know, him bringing the ball up the court. Um, he He's still a little bit, you know, timid, a little bit um, – not totally comfortable, but I think that what you've seen from his first few games to now has been, like Johnny said, complete transformation from someone that, you know, you could tell was basically trying to play mistake-free basketball. Like, that was almost his goal. And I believe that's something that Damrod had touched on, saying, you know, he just – he plays to uh, – like, he doesn't want to make a mistake. To now being um, an impactful contributor at crunch time um, for – probably Duquesne's most important win in a very long time. So, um, yeah, Tyson Acuff continues to impress me. It's just tough to talk to people that don't watch Duquesne about him because his stats won't do it for you. Um, but I do think, yeah, the, the minutes they've been getting from him have been huge. Yeah, and the Tyson Acuff and how good he's going to be conversation is one for the off season because it, it is a lengthy discussion, and I really, really like everything he has shown this year. 
but you mention him bringing the ball up against Jacob Gilliard. And to me, that's the most impressive thing for his future as a point guard is he has, he's obviously a, a much taller man than Jacob Gilliard got probably seven inches on him. And that just makes it even tougher to bring the ball up on the A-10 steals King. Gilliard could not take the ball off of him. And I, that was a huge thing for Duquesne down the stretch. Neither Acuff or Dunmartin was turning the ball over, except for let's just pretend like Dunmartin didn't whip one right to Isaiah Wilson uh, <laughs> with about two minutes left. But the two point guards took care of the ball in a brutal situation. And, you know, I think that deserves a lot of credit. To me, it was three things in this game. Defense first, actually four. Defense first, defense second, confidence in taking care of the ball. This was not a particularly great game for Duquesne from a skill perspective, and they came through anyway. Yeah, they were turning the ball over like crazy in the first half. I think in the second half, I think they had 12 turnovers in the first half. I think they ended with 15. So, I mean, you take care of the ball. Obviously, that one terrible, terrible turnover by Dunn Martin when they were, you know, pretty much clutching to momentum. Um, and then just defense. I mean, I, you, you can't say enough about it. Um, but yeah, if, I mean, you can take care of the ball against this team. You can beat Richmond because their biggest thing is just stealing the ball. So, um, really impressed with Acuff. I can't believe the player he's become in the last month. I was pretty much beating the drum a month ago for the need for a 50 or senior transfer to come in and play point guard next year, but I don't feel like that's too much of a need right now. Uh, maybe a depth guy, but I feel like Acuff's now the guy, and I think sincere carry leaving has really been a blessing in disguise for the team. Yeah, and you know we'll we'll never know what went wrong there, but it it, it seems insane. I'm like I'm I'm almost kind of stammering here to figure out how to properly respond to that because it does seem nuts that Carey being gone would help this team, but we kind of can't deny it. They've played so much better since he's left, and these guys just fit together so perfectly. But I, I want to wrap up the talk for this game with covering the guy that we really just haven't discussed, and that's Marcus Weathers. Not the most impressive stat line in the world. Only has 12 points, but he had, he had 10 rebounds. He had some just absolutely wild blocks where – he did his best Michael Hughes impressions getting up in the air. And, you know, he, he quite frankly, he was bad in the first half. He was not being aggressive with the ball. He was settling for jumpers. But he got going when the times when the team really needed him to and when the times got tough. And so I, th I think we got to give him a shout out here to close this out. He's just always so consistent. Um, you, you know, you know what you're going to get out of him every game. He's just going to play hard. You know, like I was talking to you before the show, when he's when he's getting touches three or four feet within the basket, he's impossible to stop. He has the moves. Um, nobody can stop him. But when he's settling for threes, he's a lot more guardable. So uh, I talk about that with Adam all the time. I'm sure he, he kind of agrees with that. I think uh, absolutely, Johnny. I do agree. I was looking at uh, last night. I, I know that uh, his 16.1, at least before today's game, uh, uh, scoring average for this year is his career high. His uh, field goal percentage took a bit of a dip from last year, but just the overall, I mean, he just looks like an even, even more of a grown man this year than he had, than he did last year. I mean, obviously he's a year older, but um, just what he's able to give Duquesne 
um, night in, night out. Um, but they basically play through him, and now he's turned into a player that can run the ball at the court, um, you know, create for others. And uh, I think – I can't remember if that was you, Tyler, or Johnny, that had mentioned he'd been settling in the first half. But he does have a propensity for settling for those, like, long two mid-range jumpers. Um, and I think it was one of the broadcasters made the point during the game, you got to afford your best players the freedom to do that. But I think – I can't remember the exact situation, but I, I know it was a key moment when I think he attempted a long two, which was not um, – it was, I think it was one of the first possessions Duquesne had where they were about to regain the lead in the second half or tie it. And, um, you know, obviously things ended up working out. But I think that's just something that, um, you know, when he's not settling for jump shots, he's taking them within the flow of the game, but really trying to get downhill is when is what makes Duquesne really scary because um, he just seemingly keeps getting better. Yeah, I, I remember that possession. They were down either two or four, but they had all of the momentum, and it, it kind of stopped it dead in its tracks. And thankfully, that was the last jumper he chucked up for the rest of the game. Yeah, I'm sure Dan Brown was kind of in his ear about that. <laughs> just what, whenever, I mean, whenever he's settling for a jumper, it's just a waste of his ability and skill. Um, I mean, he's just he's, – he's unstoppable when he gets in the paint. I mean, just nobody defends him, so – it's just such a waste of his ability to be stepping out from the three. Just force the ball down low sometimes. That's what you have to do. That's when they're at their best. So, With that being said, though, I do think they're uh, basically uh, fortitude to take all these shots that you saw them take in the last few final minutes. Tavian's step back three was particularly, um, I don't know the word, uh, audacious confident yes very yes efficacious um even chad baker's little turnaround that you'd mentioned uh that ended up i think bringing them within or maybe re i think gave them the lead after i think that gave them the lead i think it was after a few gilliard free throws and it gave them the lead again um some of those shots are just shots where you're like oh my god no 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 and then yes um which i mean same thing you know in the same it's a little bit in the same vein of marcus weathers you know shooting as many jump shots as he does but um, at least, at least they're not scared, and at least they, you know what I mean. I mean, it sounds simple, but um, these guys look built for it today. Yeah, they played with no fear. You know, that's what you like to see at this point of the season. So, so I wanted to verify because they had so many great offensive possessions down the stretch that they kind of blurred together. Uh, the Chad Baker turnaround, minute ten to go to put Duquesne up sixty-two to sixty. So that was that was the that was when they took the lead for the final time. Yeah, that was the shot, and then the, and then uh, Don Martin had the the banker yep. on the next possession. Yeah, that was a crazy shot. So yeah, I mean they just they played with no fear. Like Baker always plays with no fear, and Don Martin will just Don Martin would throw it up from three quarters court if he if they let him. So. Uh. <laughs> And I'll say it again. I said it after the Rhode Island game. Marcus Weathers is playing his best basketball of the season right now. And you saw it with that block at near the end of the game, like I said, where he got up and looked like Hughes. He just has a different bounce to his step. He's, he almost looks like a different athlete than he did in those two non-conference games in December where he could barely get off the ground. I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know if COVID put him out of shape. But he is just physically – 
in so much of a better place now than he was in December and January. And so, yeah, yeah, I could not agree more, Tyler. I just wanted to interject and say that Dan Broad had said over the summer, his mother was sick uh, back home in Overland Park, Kansas, is I believe where he still calls home. So he was home a lot away from campus all summer and wasn't really uh, in whatever kind of training and practicing the team could do or the athletes could do here at Duquesne, he wasn't uh, available to do or able to do. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. The uh, the games against Little Rock and UNC Greensboro, it was like I remember, you know, it was almost like at first I thought he put on like 10 pounds of muscle. And then Dan Brodden ended up saying like, no, he's just a little out of shape. So I couldn't agree more. <laughs> he's, he's getting up now like uh, he ha- I, we haven't seen for a while from him. Yeah, conditioning's always been his biggest thing. Um, if he can stay on the court, he's great. But, you know, they have to take him off, you know, so much because he's having trouble making it up and down the floor. But he seems like he's in much better shape now. So. so, with that all being said, now the Dukes roll into a game tomorrow against the top seed St. Bonaventure. They've played him twice, lost twice, but both were fairly close games. They lost by 14 up at the Riley Center in a game where the Dukes played great defense through and through, but had one of their most pathetic offensive games of the year. The game at LaRoche, they threw up a dud of a first half, made a, then made a furious comeback, ended up losing by four in a game where you really just had to tip your hat to Bonaventure for playing like a great team down the stretch. So now as we look ahead to this matchup, how do you guys feel? Adam, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, um, first thing that comes to mind is, yeah, that first uh, matchup at the Riley Center was absolutely brutal. Um, there was just nothing going on the offensive end for them. If I remember correctly, that might have been a game where Marcus Weathers jumped out to a few quick points. I knew he did that at Dayton. He had, like, the first, like, nine or ten points. And then uh, that was, like, right around the same time of the year. I think uh, that was those games might have been within the same week. But – uh, looking ahead to this game, I really think uh, if Duquesne can can have Chad Baker replicate something like he did today with 16 points. Um, that'll be huge. It doesn't necessarily have to be him. It just has to be someone on the perimeter that can give them uh, mm-hmm. some added scoring beyond what Weathers and Hughes are going to be able to give them. And But that, that I mean, the, the number one key to this game, I'm sure Johnny – um, you can touch on this more is probably just that Marcus Weathers and Mike Hughes both play uh, 25, 22, 25 plus minutes uh, and both score in double figures. I think if Duquesne can do that, they'll be in a good position against pretty much anyone in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think they need to get 30 plus minutes out of both of them. Um, they're not going to win without it. Um, they're also going to need to work in Dre Harris a lot. Um, and I think he only played like four minutes today, but you know, second game in two days, they're going to have to go a little bit deeper. Um, but, I mean, I think they match up well with St. Bonaventure. It's always a close game with them. Um, and, I, I mean, I don't think tomorrow is going to be a blowout. I d- for sure don't expect Duquesne to win, like, just an immediate reaction. But, um, I mean, you got to get Osunayi in foul trouble um, and stop Lofton. I mean, that's the key. Um, because they just don't have any depth. I mean, it's their starting five, and that's it. So, get them in foul trouble, you have a good chance. I mean, they just really have to be aggressive um, tomorrow 
if, if they play the same type of defense that they played today, I think they have a pretty good shot at winning. I mean, I'm not going to predict it, but I think I think they can definitely get there. Yeah, and you can see the path of what needs to be fixed from the last few games. Weathers had 12 the first time, despite what Adam said. Uh, he was red hot to start that game. He only had 10 in the second matchup. And then that whole freshman quartet, Baker, Okani, Acuff, and Harris, combined for eight points in the first game, 13 in the second game. Really, Michael Hughes kind of dragged them along through both of these and quite frankly neutralized Ashunahi both times. But Bonaventure then on the other side had Jalen Attaway basically neutralize Weathers, and the difference just ended up being Kyle Lofton. So for me, I, I, I almost wonder if, Duquesne can use the size of those freshmen between Baker, Acuff, and Akani to kind of neutralize St. Bonaventure Bonaventure on the defensive end. Their three wings are pretty small, and so Duquesne's going to have a big size advantage. It could really hurt them on the boards. Yeah, and they had uh, the first matchup specifically in Olean or wherever the people are claiming St. Bonaventure is now. Um, They had Baker guarding Lofton the entire game, and I – I was just talking to Adam during that game, and I said, that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, so I think they're going to have to work Mike Bakelje in there. He's probably their best defender on the perimeter. Um, get him some minutes on Lofton, at least 10 or 15 minutes. Um, Baker just could not defend Lofton. He's just too quick for him. So um, kind of see where that goes. I'm interested to see who they throw at Lofton. Sincere Carey yeah, always like played to- Lofton well. That's uh, that's what I was going to say is I think I'd like to see Bakelja get in there um, because, you know, he did such a great job on Jalen Crusher um, in that February 2nd matchup. But I think initially after the news of Carey's departure broke, my initial thought as it related to like specific A-10 matchups was the St. Bonaventure games because those loft and carry matchups were always awesome. They were uh, somewhat similar in that they were both just – hard-nosed uh, lead guards that were pretty talented and, and um, well-rounded. Um, and that first matchup, it, you know, it's uh, you almost forget that St. Bonaventure's backcourt is pretty small just because Duquesne has Tavian Dunmartin at 5'8 at, uh, at the point guard. But I think uh, a mixture of Bakelja and then getting Acuff to guard um, – Acuff or Okani to guard – Lofton is probably the best bet Duquesne has in containing him. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think throwing size at Bonaventure and trying to get more out of uh, the younger players that didn't produce too much in the first two games will be uh, be pretty big. But, Johnny, that's a good point. I do think, um, you know, 30-plus minutes out of both bigs will be huge. Um, you know, you, beggars can't be choosy with uh, Mike Hughes as long as he's playing more than, like, 20, 22 minutes. You got to be like, you know, I'll take it. Um, but um, to neutralize the Sunni, uh, I really, yeah, I, I think that uh, they're going to need a big day out of him tomorrow. I think without it, there's not much Duquesne's going to be able to do. Can't have any technicals either, and they got to make the yeah. free throws. That's that's how. I mean, if they're going to stay in that game, that's what they're going to have to do. They can't give away free points. So, I, I mean, to me, the the biggest thing is the matchups. From a Duquesne perspective, can they find any way to slow down Lofton because they just flat out did not in the first two games? Those were honestly pro- – those were Lofton's two best games as just a take the ball into his hands and score perspective from the whole season. 
and from the Bonaventure perspective, they need another fantastic game from Jalen Adway against Weathers because he is really the one guy in this conference who is perfectly set up physically to neutralize him. But I, I think a lot of people too will mention the possibility of Duquesne being worn down from such an emotionally charged game. I'm not. Bonaventure plays the five-man unit. Those guys, uh, those guys don't get much bench support whatsoever. Whereas for Duquesne, if any guy shows some signs of fatigue, you throw some extra minutes to Bikelja, you throw him to Andre Harris, maybe we see a little Ryan Murphy. Fatigue should not be an issue for the Dukes if Dan Brott manages to bench right. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Um, yeah, that's why he's making a million dollars a year. I don't know what I, I would do, but uh, I mean, he has to manage it. Um, get them back in their rooms immediately today. Uh, get them some food and get some rest. I mean, that's the biggest thing with these tournaments. I do think it is a little easier for young people. Uh, you know, you're coming off a win against Richmond. I would imagine that playing, you know, tomorrow against Bonaventure, while it is a short turnaround, is, you know, you, you stay within the same routine. You know, you want to play again after the Bonaventure game. It's a little more galvanizing than if this were a professional setting and they were playing, you know, back-to-back games at 11 in the morning. Um, I think you might be a little more worried then about a little bit of a layoff. But as long as Duquesne starts um, semi-quick tomorrow and doesn't get behind big, um, it should be another close contest I would anticipate. But really, it's going to come down to pretty much stopping, uh, stopping Lofton. I agree completely. I think Lofton and Weathers are the two guys that decide this game. But let's wrap it up with this. Uh, we'll, let's take some predictions for, from you guys before, you, before we finish this out. I'm going to go tomorrow. I hate to be negative. And uh, <laughs> I'll go St. Bonaventure 76 to 64. Um, man, this is tough. Uh, I'm going to say that I'm going to give another prediction. I don't have one for winner or loser because I'm not sure. I really am not. I'm going to say that hmm, we'll say uh, Ryan Murphy plays six minutes. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know under what circumstances. I don't know how what he'll provide. Something's going to happen. He'll try to come in. Uh, you know, you saw him come in against LaSalle when Hughes got thrown out. Hopefully that's not the case tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's, that's my little prediction, but hopefully everyone forgets because it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> All I'm going to say, I anticipate a great game. Duquesne is going to give them a battle. I, I think we're going to hear chatter today that Bonaventure was basically lucky to avoid Richmond. I don't think that that's true at all. Richmond was free falling. And at this point, Duquesne's really not that much different than them. Um, the Dukes are going to give them a tremendous game. I'd give Bonaventure a slight edge, uh, maybe a two or three point win. I think what Johnny's saying, both teams getting above 70 points is pretty likely. I think we're going to see really kind of the same things play out as the last two games. But Duquesne's freshman will be much, much, much better on offense. But on the flip side, Jaron Holmes struggled in both of those two games, too. I think he'll be able to get it going himself. Uh, if we're taking scores, I guess I would say Bonaventure 75-73. I think it's going to be a great game, and I'm certainly excited to watch it. 
Yeah, it's always uh, it's always nice to get a rivalry game in the conference tournament. Um, so we'll see. It can go anyway. Um, I don't feel like we're going to win, but I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we did. So just put it that way. I'm going to throw a low ball prediction in there just real quick before we wrap it up. Uh, Duquesne's uh, 62, Bonaventure 59. It's going to be a grinded out uh, type game for whatever reason. Jaron Holmes will continue to struggle as will the freshman. And uh, we'll see it come down to a, to a close finish. That's my guess. So Adam going completely different from the from the other two of us, but <laughs> where can everybody? So for anyone who somehow does not follow either of your work, uh, the Duquesne season lives on. So we'll still get some great stuff from you guys tomorrow. Where can they find? Where can they find your work? Uh, they can. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, uh, easiest place for me as well as Johnny is probably Twitter. Uh, my handle is basically just go to Johnny's page and look for me because my last name uh, is a little difficult to to spell out over the the air. So, uh, but I'm I'm a uh, work at the Duquesne Dukes uh, Duquesne Dukes student newspaper. Um, check us out on the internet or Adam J Lindner L I N D N E R at Twitter. That's a good spot. Good spot to find me. Mine is just the Bluff blog. Uh, real simple. I'll be there. I'll be up at uh, ready to go. I'll have a, a beer in my hand at 10 a.m. And uh, <laughs> I'm off from work. So <laughs> you can follow me for all the dramatic um, bipolar tweets you can handle. Yeah, just just look for me in uh, the replies to Johnny's tweets. Uh, I, I'm in there probably once or twice a game usually. Yep, and a thank you to both Adam and Johnny for joining us. This, uh, I f- feel like this is a great episode. Duquesne season lives on one of the biggest wins of the 21st century for the Dukes. And if you want to dig through the season count, that is not an over-exaggeration. They live on to play another game.